And it just makes so much more sense to me to nurture the people that you already have and to get more out of them than to continually spend money on, on ads bringing in new people. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hello, and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, I'm going to guess that your business probably has a pretty important goal at all times, and that is get more leads, which makes total sense as new leads, they're an absolute must for any business that harbors the ambition to grow and to scale. But getting leads, it's just one part of the battle. And the, really the bigger question is, how do you turn those leads that you're getting into sales? Well, one way is to deliver a killer email marketing strategy. And look, maybe you've heard that email marketing is dead. And, and if you have, seriously, slap the person that told you that in the face with a wet fish. Because no matter what business or industry that you're in, and despite all the new shiny tactics out there, email marketing is still proven to be the number one way to convert leads into buyers. So if you're having a hard time generating revenue from your leads, then you're really, really going to want to pay close attention to my guest today, because she has a rich background in journalism, and she's an expert in email marketing, but done in a story and personality-led way that captures your audience's attention, forms a deep bond, and sells to them. She's the content director at Brainstorm Digital, and that's a digital marketing consultancy that helps aesthetic clinics get patients through the door again and again so they can grow fast without the headache of costly online leads. And seriously, take a look at her case study at brainstormaesthetic.com, where you'll see how they generated an additional $183,000 in revenue in just 12 months for one of their clients. And you'll see that they really do walk the walk. So I'm really excited to dive in and pick the brains today of my guest, Miriam Shaviv. So Miriam, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So journalism to marketing, how does that work? Well, I, I really, I was a journalist for about 10 years and I really wanted to change. Um, and I thought that content marketing, um, so writing content for companies that are marketing themselves was going to be a natural, um, a natural next step. Now, what I didn't realize and took me a little while really to get my head around was that the skills are actually very different. So initially I went and I hired more journalists to be my writers um, because I really thought that journalists would, they, I know journalists write really well, they're going to do a great job creating content. But what I didn't understand at the beginning, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't really understand, is that in marketing is not just about writing well. It's about being able to persuade to entertain and to, and to convert ultimately, to persuade people to actually take action. And those are very different skills to writing an interesting feature. Um, so you ask about the journey, actually it was really a journey for me because I had to really switch my mindset about what good content was and stop hiring other journalists. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think that while they are different skill sets, there's also a lot of overlap in, in terms of 
how you how you approach coming up with content or potentially even if like this this is an interview but it's 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 asking the right questions of your your target market to pull out the right kind of content and is that something that you found has been a, a useful part of of your skill set that you've been able to bring across I think definitely journalists have one advantage, which is exactly as you say. Well, they really have two advantages. First of all, they're very interested in their subjects. And that is definitely something that if you're writing copy that um, that you want to convert, you have to be very, very audience centric. Um, and you really need to be interested in the people that you are writing about um, and in their name and also the people that you are writing to. So that is definitely an advantage. And of course, being able to write well um, is an advantage as well. Um, I just found that ultimately this, the journalism style is, is journalists really just want to create entertaining copy or good, good, true copy, um, authentic copy. Um, and, but persuading people to do something um, it's more the skills of an opinion writer, really, than a straight-out news journalist. Um, and and it, just, it just became clear to me it was a different skill. Mm. I mean, is there a, an element, though, that even with journalism, that you are still persuading people to accept your take or point of view? Or is it because that type of journalism that you did is very factual-based and you're reporting facts rather than kind of persuading people to a, to a, a worldview, perhaps? Yeah, I, I think that opinion, the columnists, basically, that's what they do. They are about persuading people. Um, so that that's much closer to what I do today, really, um, than straight news reporting. Um, but uh, ultimately, what you're doing as a conversion copywriter is one step even beyond that. It's not just about persuading people of your worldview, but also encouraging them to actually act on it and take action. Um, and that's where I think that, um, th th that that's where the different skills really come in. It's something you have to, and something that I, that I really had to learn. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that is one thing about, yeah, there's, there's so much um, put out there. Oh, if you just create lots of content, then the world will be the path to your door, which you then find actually doesn't necessarily happen if you can you know you can create wonderful content but it's it doesn't tra it translate into um, maybe lead sales all that sort of thing so what is it that you find is some of the most important elements of a piece of content um, whether that is just a you know a blog post or it's a piece of email marketing what are those common elements that you find are important to go into that type of content in order to create that the element of you know that, that action yeah um, well, sometimes it's not just one piece of content. Sometimes it's a series because um, it's really about getting into the mindset of the person that you are trying to persuade. Um, and lots of um, lo lots of companies don't really make an effort to do that. They're very, very caught up in who they are, what they do, um, what their product is, what their um, you know what they in our case what the, what their treatments are, the, all the technical details, and they don't really spend enough time thinking who are they actually talking to right so what are the things that are really bothering them what are the, what is really prompting them to look for a solution um what is what do they want in a solution 
what is stopping them from going ahead? Um, what will persuade them to actually take action? What will create urgency for them? Um, so it's really, um, it, it's, it's really being able to get into that person's head and then write completely and utterly focused on your audience being completely and utterly audience centric um, and mo the truth is that um, even though this isn't rocket science most companies are just really not doing this yeah i've named my entire business around that concept think like the fish not the fisherman what's your process then for actually getting into your prospect's head and really understanding what all of those points are because you can't write a single word unless you know for sure that those are the things that are going on in someone's head and are going to move them to that to action. So one thing that's really helped us is that we have niched down. Now we really work only with the aesthetic market. So it's a although every clinic and every um, and, and really every um, every treatment has a different target market with different um, with different concerns. There are a lot of commonalities. So it's an audience that we feel that we know um, fairly well. And just sorry, Miriam, just for those that might not be 100% um, familiar with aesthetic clinics, sure. <laughs> what's an aesthetic clinic? It's a clinic that um, that helps people look and feel better, um, but basically what they're doing, treatments like um, Botox or, um, or fillers to improve your skin, um, body sculpting treatments like maybe liposuction or cool sculpting um, and various various other treatments, sometimes actual surgeries as well. Yeah, it's been a while since I had Botox, so um, yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah. Since the video is on, I know this is a podcast, but I can see you. Oh, don't <laughs> Sorry, and I took you off. Uh, I took you off topic. So yeah, it's about um, niching down. And do you advise that for the clinics that you work with as well to go after a particular type of patient to help with this? Absolutely, because one of the issues is that it's a very, very crowded market, um, and there are many. Essentially, it's a commodity. There are many of these clinics everywhere. Um, so differentiating and standing out is actually one of the biggest challenges that the clinics that we work with um, are, are struggling with. They're all marketing in very, very similar ways. They're talking to essentially, they're trying to catch the same patients. They offer very similar treatments. They're using very similar language to describe them precisely because they're focused on the treatment, not on the patient. Um, very often, they're also using pictures um, that have been supplied to them. So they're even using very similar graphics. And the things that they think that differentiate them don't. So they may be using patient testimonials, but actually every clinic is using patient testimonials. Um, they may be talking about the doctor's qualifications, but the clinic next door is going to have equally good, you know, their doctor is going to have their own fantastic qualifications. So in a crowded market, um, standing out and working out how you differentiate is very, very, very important um, part of the part of the challenge as a marketer. Um, and really, that's where we always start, because you talked before about email marketing. Um, yes, what we do is email marketing. But at the end of the day, that's a, that's just a tool. What really makes marketing powerful um, isn't the email, although I'm a complete and utter believer in email. It's working out the strategy beforehand. And one of the key parts of the strategy is how do you stand out as well as how do you actually um, figure out which audience you're going to speak to because you can't speak to everyone um, and how you're going to really appeal to them, how you're going to talk to them in a way that is audience centric, um, like we discussed, and yet um, differentiates the clinic. 
and, and, and that's quite an in-depth process, isn't it? And and I find, and I, I, I'm sure you do, and but I don't want to put words into your mouth, is that that is a process that a lot of maybe your clients, my clients, other businesses, they find incredibly painful going through that process of really understanding their client. Yeah, well, every, everyone thinks they do understand their client. Um, but what I've discovered again and again and again and again um, is that when when you actually speak to the clients, or in this case, the patients, um, that you, you realize how little, that, 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 there's, that there's so many extra layers there. Um, you asked before about how we actually understand the patients. And one of the interesting things that we do at the beginning of our process um, is we always make sure that we have spoken, whichever clinic that we are working with, we always want to speak to some of their patients because what we find is that they will say things to us that they won't necessarily say to the clinic owner. So as much as that clinic owner has spent time, spends masses of time um, with their patients, they actually don't always know exactly what's going on in their heads and the patients, there'll always be a perspective there that is not being shared that sometimes they'll share with a third party. Yeah, sometimes people don't always want to say exactly what's on their mind to the person that's sticking needles in them, I guess. So. <laughs> well, that, to, to be fair, that person knows quite a lot. Right? The person knows quite a lot. And why, you know, it, it, it's a bit like going to a hairdresser. You do reveal quite a lot You do about what's going on in your life when you are in that very, um, you know, that, that, that very private, I guess, situation, that very intimate situation. Um, but quite why all that knowledge doesn't translate into most clinics marketing is a bit of a mystery to me <laughs> because that the things that the patients are saying in those consultations and during those treatments uh, that's very often you know that that's very powerful material because they're saying the real reasons why they want the treatments and yet somehow um, that doesn't always translate into the marketing which ends up very samey mm. and this uh, I find as well that there's so many hidden gold mines within within businesses that they don't always necessarily realize are there things like the, um, the the customer service is a great opportunity to find out what people are thinking uh, what they're not happy with in a service what they love about a service all that kind of thing so you know if you don't even go and use another uh, you know an outside marketing uh, help or anything like that then you could simply either i don't know if, you know if, if calls are recorded you can go and listen to them or you can get a bunch of your customer service people around a table and just ask questions you know what do people say that that keeps coming up again and again and again what are the common uh, questions concerns problems what are they ecstatically happy about what language do they use that sort of thing and well, one very valuable source, other than, of course, speaking to real patients. Um, you, you asked before, and I never quite answered about how do we research what the patients really want. Obviously, it's a, it's a long, involved process. Um, but just to give you another little um, place that we go, um, uh, internet forums. Um, and it's true for the aesthetic market, but it's true for many other markets as well. Again, people are talking very often anonymously online. So again, they tell the truth. Um, so whenever we write about any kind of condition or any treatment, um, I always go and look at what people are saying on internet forums because they, they, they really are talking honestly and you can use their language in the marketing as well. Um, so let's say, for example, I'm, uh, I'm writing about um, getting rid of love handles. You know, I'll, just put in, I'll just put into Google, I hate my love handles. And there's 10,000 pieces right there by people who hate their love handles. And that is just phenomenal insight into what your target market is really thinking and saying. Mm, yeah, I've um, 
uh, was it uh, Amazon is also a great place um, looking at certain book reviews I got that tip from Jay Abraham when he was in London um, but yeah there's those or online review sites in general if you're a, a local business for example look on Yelp on Google reviews and see what people have written about or you know if you're a restaurant or if, you know whatever you're in there are review sites that will have people that right. have left reviews in their own language about things and, and look at the five star and look at the one stars because they'll either be ecstatically happy or incredibly upset and you'll get the things there and the, the phrase or, you know, phrasing language that you would never, you'd never have thought about. And that's when you, you know, you can start to really put it into the, the story, the messages and you know, the, the, the communication that you use to attract similar people, either with the same problem or that want the same outcome. And, and, and that- And that's when you really begin to touch people's emotions as well, um, because part of being persuasive is being able to make not just a logical case, which is where I think that, um, which is what most journalists are trying to do, um, but it's really about making, creating the emotional imperative for people to take action. And it's in those little tidbits, it's in the real life details that resonate with people. Um, that's what actually speaks to people's emotions and gets them to act. Yeah, and, and I can imagine in a way working with doctors with a kind of scientific outlook maybe on, on how the world works or what they do, they're still thinking, well, logically this all makes so much sense because the stuff that I offer does this, does that. It has all of these stats and studies to back them up there or, or however that may work. But as you say, if the message is all about that, then it's like, that's very nice, it makes sense. But I don't connect with it, so I'm not going to do anything with that information. Well, I always, there's one example. It's now about three or four years old, but this was actually really a really powerful learning moment for me. Um, we wrote an email for a client about acne treatments, and um, it, was, it, was, it was quite a powerful email, really talking about, it was really using a patient case study um, where we talked about a patient who hadn't, she never wanted to leave home because she was so upset about her acne scars and how the clinic helped her. Um, but writing it, uh, you know, again, in just a very deep emotional way. Um, and then that evening, the clinic, I, I'm always, I always see all the responses, um, and they got an email back from a young lady, maybe in her early 20s, who said she, this completely and utterly resonated with her. Um, but the bit that really got me was that she said that she had been on the clinic, she'd been visiting the clinic's website um, for an entire year. And she'd never wanted, and she'd never before taken action. She'd never actually contacted them. Now, what was the difference? The difference is that the clinic's website was very focused on the technical details of the possible treatments. And yes, people do need to know that information. People need to know, um, in this case, it's a treatment, but they do need to know how your product or service works. Um, But at the end of the day, it was something that connected with her emotionally that actually made the difference to her and actually made her act. And that's a bit of the puzzle I think lots of people are missing. Yeah, and and as you say, there is a... I don't want anyone to um, misunderstand what what we're saying here in that it is important to have the details about your services, your products, your offerings and, and what they do because you need that logic to back up the emotion. And that just tends to sit further down that client or customer or patient journey because that's when they're thinking or either considering or they're at the decision phase. But you never or you're much more unlikely to get someone to that stage unless you've started and led with the emotional hook 
that gets the attention, brings them into that world and keeps them interested and keeps them moving along that journey until you get to a point where they're considering or making a decision, which is when all of the logic kind of comes in. And that I think may bring us nicely into how maybe you would approach using email marketing in terms of, as you say, it's not just a single email. Um, it would be lovely if we could all send a single email and, and, and get enough for clients or revenue to, to keep us busy for the next year, but it doesn't happen like that, does it? So what's that process that you take in order to create a marketing or email marketing campaign with the objective of, of bringing someone along that journey to the point where they take the action that they need to? Um, well, we have, it, it, it's really about understanding what's going on in the patient's head at different stages and then constructing a sequence of emails um, that really takes them through that process. I hope that's, I hope that's clear enough. Um, essentially, lots of clinics are just sending out the same emails. Again, they look absolutely identical um, and it, they're just relying on one email to sell a treatment where they're just saying, this is the treatment. 20% off, and there's a picture of a, an attractive woman with a bikini. And really, that, is, um, that really appeals to someone if they really already know that they want that treatment, and it doesn't do anything to actually sell it. Um, but if you really want to sell it, then you need to understand that patient journey from start to finish. You need to understand, it's all those things I talked about before. What is the problem that they're really, that they're really struggling with? What are the objections that might stop them going ahead? Um, how do you create that urgency for them? How do you show them what else might they have tried? And how do you show them if they're really frustrated because they've tried lots of different things? How do you show them this one is different? And then it's about putting those emails in, a, in an order that makes sense. Now, sometimes we do do it in just one email. Sometimes one email can walk people through all of those elements. Um, but I actually, today we're running, we, today for one particular clinic, we're starting um, a sequence of five emails um, where um, it, it, it takes, pe it's essentially taking people on a journey and understanding that people don't make decisions necessarily quickly, especially in this case, you're talking about decisions to do with their looks, to do with their body. It's very, very emotional. Um, and it's very sensitive and people do sit on this for a long time. Um, so um, it, it's really about showing them the kind of results they can achieve um, and really, again, just addressing those really emotional parts and making it interesting to them. Um, because something we haven't discussed is that on your email list, not everyone is always ready to buy everything. Um, and you have to keep people reading even if they're not ready to buy then and there. Um, so one of the challenges is to keep your marketing, your email marketing, really interesting, even if um, even if people aren't going to actually buy them in there. How do you generally structure it? Do you do it by campaign or do you do it by target market or do you do it by what is it there to do? So you could have a, a, a an email campaign that is there to nurture or you could have an offer. Do you start with one thing? So we, 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 work, we, work, we work on a quarterly schedule. So we want to be able to see far enough ahead so that we can plan properly and again make sure that not just every email is in an order that makes sense but that the campaigns make sense as well we found that planning ahead six months is way too long 
planning ahead one month is way too short. Um, so we work on a, on a quarterly basis, um, but then we produce the emails month by month. Um, and we really try to mix it up so that there are, um, so that we're promoting treatments that the clinic is um, interested in promoting for whatever reason. It might be seasonal, it might be they're launching a new treatment. Um, and it may be that there are different angles for different treatments at different times of the year. So we may want to come back to certain treatments. Um, but we also really like to mix that up with nurturing emails. Um, and again, that really goes back to the idea that you want people getting value out of your emails, even if they're not buying then and there. Um, so every fourth, fifth or sixth email, um, we always send an email where we're not really selling anything, but it's just value add, giving people useful tips, useful advice, um, so they want to keep on opening those emails um, and are really getting something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And what I want to do is is sort of keep keep along this thread of using emails and having them achieve different objectives, but also being part of a, a strategic plan that you are creating, because I don't think a lot of people think of it this this way. But um, what I want to do is just take a quick break and then we'll come back and I'm going to ask you all about those. So um, we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, Adam here. And before we get back to today's guest, I just wanted to mention something that you might be interested in. Because as you're listening to the show, I'm guessing that you're here looking for ideas and strategies on how to attract a steady flow of qualified prospects to your business, who ultimately become happy, high-paying clients. And assuming that's the case, then maybe you'd like my personal help with it. And if you would, then I've got some awesome news. I'm opening seven spots for six months of unlimited fast action results marketing coaching with yours truly. And yes, I said unlimited. There is just one little catch though. And that is that you've got to complete the action items that I set you before you schedule your next call. Now this is for service business owners who want the strategy and the accountability to take their client catching from uncertain to predictable. It consists of quick coaching calls as often as you need them, just enough to focus your attention and clarify the next step. So there's no more analysis paralysis, no more trying to solve a problem that doesn't yet exist and therefore no overwhelm. It's just action. And for total transparency, I'm offering this in a new format that may or may not lead a little bit of refining in the first few sessions, which is it's why I want to recognize this and reward the fast movers. So I'm investing half the full cost into the first seven people who take me up on this. So if you like my approach and you resonate with me here and you want to take your client catching efforts from uncertain to predictable, then find out how it all works at thinklikeafish.co slash fast before all the spots go. That's thinklikeafish.co slash fast fast. Okay, now let's get back to today's episode. Welcome back. We're talking to Miriam Shaviv and we are talking email marketing. So Miriam, if someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, that's that's great, but I don't have anyone to do my marketing for me or anything like that. What? How would you suggest someone literally could spend an hour just planning something like this out with a, with a pen and a piece of paper? Well, I think there's a step to take before you start with that schedule, because really we wouldn't start creating that schedule before we had created an actual strategy. Now, sometimes it's a real you know, thick written document, 30 pages long, based on all the market research, looking at competitors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes it's a more casual, more fluid process than that. Um, but we don't, that, that, that's, that schedule is not the strategy, right? The schedule is just how we implement. And those emails, 
that that's not a strategy. That's just how we implement it. Um, but when we work with the client, really we have a three-step process. And step one is creating the strategy. Um, and what we do, and what I suggest other people do as well, um, is there are a few things that you have to clarify for yourself. Now, number one, first of all, is positioning. Um, so how are you going to position your business, or in our case, the clinic, so that it both is differentiated and so that um, and so that it appeals to the target market. Now, you 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 don't just decide that off the top of your head. Um, there's some there's some although many people do, or many people don't think about it at all. Um, you know, lots of people think a clinic is a clinic is a clinic, and just in a crowded market, it's just not true. And the truth is, it's it's not true in most industries either. Um, everyone's pretty much, unless you're very lucky, everyone is in a crowded market. Um, so the steps that we take are, first of all, um, we go look at the competition. So we want to, you need to understand the specific market in which you are operating. How are other businesses or clinics around you positioning themselves? Are they up more, in our case, the kind of things we're looking at, are, are they up market? Are they um, are they slightly down market? Are they very clinical? Are they warm and fuzzy? Are they focusing on a particular niche, particular type of treatment? Um, what are the opportunities there? Which bit is saturated? Um, we also want to look at the actual clinic um, because obviously everyone has things which differentiate them. Um, like I said, there are, you know, lo lots of times people, the, the, the problem is that the things that people think differentiate them don't really differentiate them. Um, and the challenge is to find something that, that really is different about you and yet is also appealing. Um, and then you need to go look at who your target market is. Are you going to narrow that down? Are you going to niche that down? Um, you know, again, the case of clinics, do you maybe want to just focus on men? Do you maybe just want to focus on a very young population, a very old population? There's so many, um, there's so many different options. And so much of this is really hard to do on your own. I know I sort of yeah. said, you know, if somebody is you know, listening to this and thinking, you know, how could I do this myself? This is really, really difficult to do on your own. I know I you and I do this for a living and yet we still get outside help to clarify our own position and, and have someone just take an external view because we're often too close to it and every single business is too close to their own. It's very hard to see the wood for the trees unless you're coming to it from the outside um, and unless you really know how to bring all these factors together because really I've talked about a lot of different things that you need to look at um, but you need to bring them together to understand how are you going to talk about what you do and how are you going to talk to the people that you really want to reach um, in a very, very powerful way. And then once you've done that, what I find is that putting together the email schedule, it just, it comes naturally because then you understand um, our strategies. Obviously it's not just about positioning. You then want to understand, well, what are the key messages that you want to convey? What are the things I really need to say to people in order to get them to buy from me? Um, and then what tactics are we going to use, right? So what kind of, in our case, it might be what treatments are we going to prioritize? Um, what channels, how, how exactly is it going to work? But and once you've done that work, um, that, that, that foundational work right at the beginning, the email marketing schedule writes itself pretty much. And I love the fact that you sort of said, look, it's not the strategy. The schedule isn't the strategy because absolutely it's not. That's, that's how you, you implement. 
yeah, there, there's wide there's widespread confusion everywhere between tactics and strategy, and um, and the problem is everyone does mistake the tools that they use as a strategy. You say to people, "What's your strategy?" It's email marketing. It's LinkedIn. That is, LinkedIn is not a strategy. It's how you talk on LinkedIn and who you're trying to appeal to. That is the strategy. And when you work with a marketing company, that is the most important thing that they can do for you: help you clarify those things. Because you can go on YouTube, learn how to set up and implement a uh, you know an email campaign. The actual nuts and bolts, technical, right, put this in here, push this button, send, that kind of thing. But what you will struggle with is the depth of experience of somebody that has gone through this process time and time and time again to really uncover the thing that is going to move the needle, the thing that is going to differentiate you, the thing that is going to connect with your ideal client in a way that nobody else in your in your space your competition are, are going to necessarily put in the time and effort to uncover and that is how you can go from well as in your your case study that um, i mentioned at the beginning that's how you can start to get the kind of results where you would you pull what is it 183,000 um new um, revenue in 12 months and i'm assuming that is that is a big part of that was down to the strategy piece that you did at the very beginning and then the implementation to keep it consistent. Um, yeah, if it, that happened for, and it happens to other clients as well, um, for a few different reasons. First of all, nobody else um, in this industry is really talking to patients in this way. Um, so immediately when you become really patient-centric and have really developed a differentiating message, um, that, that really touches people because nobody else is talking to them in this way. So that's immediately differentiating. Um, and the other thing about email, um, which I think is really, really important, is that um, in the context of aesthetic clinics anyway, um, but many other businesses as well, uh, it's very much about repeat business. Um, I think the other thing is that the other mistake that businesses routinely make is exactly what you said at the beginning. Everyone is totally focused on new leads, but actually many businesses have a fantastic asset they just don't leverage enough, which is their existing patient. So those that one hundred eighty three thousand um, dollars was all from an email list of either existing patients or previous leads that hadn't converted. Um, but they had it was it, by the way it was quite a small email list. It was only three thousand people, which we work with clinics that have sixty thousand. So that is it was tiny. Um, but why would you bother going after? new leads the entire time and you have 3,000 you know people who already know you and like you sitting there waiting to hear from you and there's a lot of there's a lot that can be extracted from that list um, and businesses across the board I'm always surprised I shouldn't be anymore um, but you know you, you talk to businesses what are they what do you really want new leads how many email subscribers do you already have oh yeah we've got 6,000 how often do you email them never well, why not? Because you should be going after those, those clients and those patients first because it's, well, they will always be your most eager buyers. That's why I think what, what you do specifically for your clients um, and using email marketing in, in general, it, it, it solves one of the biggest problems that a lot of businesses face, especially service businesses or uh, ones that work directly with, with other people. And that is follow-up. Most people just don't follow up or they don't follow up anywhere near as much or as long as they 
as they need to. They think, oh, right, well, I've you know, set up an autoresponder or something, and it sends out seven emails, and if they're not going to buy after that, then you know, I, I haven't got time to keep creating content and um, following and up. Money down the drain, because when you think about how much money companies are putting into generating those leads, and then they're only... I think that most of them, most companies are not even following up seven times. They may be getting an email or two. Sometimes they're getting a phone call. Um, and why would you spend all that money generating those leads when you're not following them up properly? I'm continually surprised um, by patients um, and, uh, and, and other and clients that get in touch after they've been on an email list for three months, six months, a year, um, and if you, the thing is, if you, you need to continue nurturing those leads because that is the most cost-effective way for you to market. Um, and the bigger you, uh, and of course, the, the, the bigger audience that you that you have, um, the more you're going to get from that audience. And it just makes so much more sense to me to nurture the people that you already have, and to get more out of them than to continually spend money on on ads bringing in new people. I think the message at the moment when it comes to marketing advice, especially when it comes to things like lead generation and, and you know, getting getting clients into your business and all that kind of thing, there is a heavy emphasis on the advertising part, going online, paying for ads and trying to monetize that new lead that you get within a, you know, within almost like a 30-day cycle because that's when the credit card bill comes around. The problem with that is it breeds a mentality that that's the way it should be done, whereas it doesn't what is that whole thing it's only only three to five percent of a marketplace is ready to buy in that one particular part of time so what are you doing with the rest and that's what the email marketing can do yeah and everyone is also busy chasing that same three percent that are ready to buy right now and that's why they're so difficult to convert so when in our three we, i mentioned before we have a three-step process number one is to get the strategy right number two is to go after clinics um, existing email list, but then we want to help them build up the email list. That's step number three. So they bring new people into the system. Um, but what's really, really important there is to catch them slightly earlier in the process because everyone is basically advertising um, the same treatments and talking about the treatments. They're all trying to catch people, catch patients who are very close to making a decision. Um, because they already they know they want the treatment they're just really looking for a provider um, and and, um, and and actually it sounds great they're ready to make a decision but in reality they're just price shoppers they're just looking for somebody who will be the best price will offer them the best price um, and maybe somebody whose receptionist sounds nicest on the phone or someone who has the first date available um, it's very random and not really a very good way to build up your clinic and that's why so many clinics i think are so frustrated with their online marketing um, but really, you can catch people at an earlier part of, the, of, the, of, their, of their client journey or their patient journey before they've made the decision to go ahead. Um, and then if you nurture them, and, and they're not speaking to any other clinic yet, that's really the secret. Um, but then you talk to them over email in a way that makes clear to those, um, to those patients that you really understand them and you really understand what's bothering them. And you are a person, you know, you're someone that they can relate to. Um, they will really feel like they know you, they like you, and they trust you, and they have no reason to go ever look anywhere else. Um, so it's that long-term nurture, um, but it's combined with catching people earlier um, that really makes um, that really makes it more efficient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because 
people are at different stages when they come into contact with you. Um, some are ready now, some are not. There's a, there's a, if anyone wants to read or, or read on further about this, just this idea, they should um, look for a book called Scientific Advertising by Eugene Swartz. And that goes into the reason why this is, this is actually the case. It's um, the, uh, the, the pyramid of awareness or something like that. It's you know, unaware, problem aware, solution aware, yeah, blah, 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 blah. It's called Breakthrough Advertising. Breakthrough. So, uh, yeah, Claude Hopkins is scientific. <laughs> um eugene swatch is breakthrough advertising um so it used to be out of print um and it used to cost an awful lot of money but i think it's now available that's one of my most read books um it's just so much in there about the principles and the strategy because that was written years ago we're talking email marketing but those principles they still work because it's based on the way that people behave and that's what great marketing does it it goes where people already are I know we've sort of, we've talked about the whole persuasion thing. We're not necessarily say, even saying that marketing has to persuade someone to think something differently. It's more there to persuade somebody that your worldview matches theirs and you are the best solution to help them achieve something that they already want. I would go even further than that, actually. I don't think you can really persuade something, people of something they don't really believe in. It's about tapping into what they believe anyway and making them want to take action. Persuade them to take action is completely different to persuading them to do something that they weren't going to do in the first place. Um, very often what we find is that people really want to take action, but there's something that's stopping them. You know, there's so many things that I can think of in my own life that I really wanted to do. You know, I, I think... I moved house recently and, and just before we left, we, in order to help sell the house, we painted all the walls, right? Um, in reality, I'd been sitting there for about five years saying, you know, I really should redecorate and I just never did it. Now, the truth is that why? Cause I, why? Cause I was just procrastinating as people do. Now had someone really, had I been subject to a really powerful marketing campaign, um, three years earlier um, that had really made me feel, um, you know, really tapped into that desire that I had, that pre-existing desire that I had to redecorate. I would have done it. Just no one ever talked to me about it. So I waited till I really had to do it. But marketing has to create those conditions that makes you really want to do it. There's different ways to do that. It's what I talked about before, about somehow creating urgency. It's about giving people a reason giving people who want to act anyway a reason to act now and that's really what most offers are about um, it's not persuading people to do something they didn't want to do it's about giving people a reason to do it now and overcome their procrastination 100 percent. because i i often say that your biggest competitor is actually it's not your competition it's not anything else it's, it's your potential client or customer's apathy to stay with with a status quo or where they have now, because ironically, their current comfort level is more comfortable. You know, even though they may be in pain or they may not be happy, their perceived the perceived risk in taking the step is too much in comparison to where they are now. And it's about your messaging, however, you know, your marketing needs to sometimes persuade, but also sometimes just give them permission that it's okay to want what they want and then show them how to get it. And also sometimes help them understand that there's a risk with not taking action. You know, for me, for example, to go back to that wall painting example, actually there was a risk with not redecorating because I had to do it anyway under pressure when I wanted to sell my house. Um, 
but but uh, when it comes to aesthetic treatments, um, there are definite, you know people are unhappy. There's this there's this horrible myth that people are getting all these treatments because they're vain, and it's absolutely not true. I've spoken that to so many patients, um, and really people are people are people are unhappy. People lack self confidence. There are so many deep rooted emotional reasons here. And if you sometimes if you don't take action in another year, you're going to feel the same way. You might not have that. You, you still might not have the, the courage to um, go for that promotion or to start dating again because you feel self-conscious about something. There is a risk to not taking action. And that's, again, something that good marketing taps into. But if all you're doing is describing what you do, then you're never playing into those psychological levels, which really good marketing needs to do. I mean, this is a this is a subject dear to my heart um, in terms of understanding what it is, the psychology behind, because that's what marketing is about people. It's about understanding the way we think, people think, and applying that reality that's been there for the thousands of years that we've been on this planet and applying it in a way that uses tactics like email marketing to help somebody. And I, I almost describe, I, I tend to describe it like you're really with your marketing, you're taking someone on a a guided self-discovery it's not about persuasion necessarily it's about helping them come to a realization that either their life could be better or um, they can be rid of the ailment that is causing them so many problems um, at this time but showing them in small steps how it can be fixed or how they can achieve something and showing that each of those steps is not actually as scary as you think and if you want to get this even quicker then we have the service that can do all of this and we've weaved part of the solution into that message that journey that story which can be done with email marketing it can be do, done with blogging it can be done with all sorts of other parts of your marketing but it needs that bit at the beginning as you've said it needs a strategy what is that journey what is that psychology that's going on in in your client's mind and then how do you weave it into the different types of tactics the strategies that we create, really, we're thinking about email marketing, but they are, first of all, we don't just talk, in, in the actual strategies, we don't just talk about email marketing because, um, because the strategy is across everything that you do. Um, and it's not just online, and it's not just in your offline marketing either. It's also in the way that you interact with patients or with potential clients. Um, it, 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 if you really are well positioned and really understand what people want out of your service or your treatment or whatever it is, um, it, it will infuse absolutely everything that you do. And just by the way, um, before before the podcast, you sent me a list of um, a list of questions to think about. And one of the things that you asked um, on that list um, was about my favorite marketing book. Um, so I, the the one that I was that that had you asked me, I would have mentioned is just the perfect illustration of this because um, it's not a marketing book at all. Um, and it's a very, very, it's actually a book that I heard someone recommend on a different podcast. And I was so intrigued to hear them recommend this. I was like, I've got to go get this book straight away. Um, and it's called The Purpose Driven Church by, um, by, by Reverend or Pastor, I don't know, Rick Warren. He wrote it in 1995 before any of us were doing any internet marketing. And it was about how he grew his church into one of the greatest churches in, um, in North America, essentially, and one of the most popular churches. When I read this, it was like light bulb moment after light bulb moment after light bulb moment, because literally everything that we have just discussed, he was already doing back in 1995. 
understanding who his audience is, tailoring his messages to the different audiences, segmenting them, taking them on, understanding their journey. Um, and it was a real illustration how marketing is not just online. Um, marketing is really, it, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and, and you can use it, by the way, to grow any kind of organization um, and uh, and and it was a very it was actually a very very powerful thing to read about wow well I'd, I'd never thought I'd get a book recommendation on uh, starting your own religion or church um, <laughs> on on the podcast so yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Jewish but that's I awesome it and I was like this is genius <laughs> well you know you you can argue that every um, every every person of um, notoriety or, or note that has ever lived you know, going back to, um, you know, Jesus and his disciples all the way up to, you know, because it can be it can be used for negative, you know, the, the Hitlers of the world and all those kind of people. They've had to communicate in a way that has mobilized people to take an action. And you could argue that those ones that have convinced people to take some of the most brutal actions have under the surface of it just been very, very effective communicators or to use a more modern term marketers of their beliefs. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an anthropologist or a historian, but that, that's kind of how I take it. But it's very, very powerful. Understanding how the understanding how to get people to take action obviously can be used for good and for bad, as you have just said. So yeah, I, I encourage people listening to this only to use it for good. Um, you know, this is not there so that you can you can sell something that is unethical and um, you know is not going to deliver the value that you pro you promise because there's plenty of examples of people have done that, and there's plenty of examples of that having a, a fallback effect on on what people think about certain industries just look at things like finance and, and all that kind of thing like that is not how you use marketing effectively it's as long as you have something that is truly valuable to a specific group of people that can help them solve a problem or achieve a result that they already want you're you know, if you can do that then you almost have a moral obligation to use your marketing effectively to actually help those people with great power comes great responsibility adam I'm just going to, after this, I'm going to uh, put my Spider-Man uh, outfit back on and um, <laughs> go and uh, save some people. Some poor souls. <laughs> Miriam, well, thank you very, very much for this. I've, I've, it's gone off on a bit of a tangent. I can't believe I've managed to uh, mention Spider-Man and, uh, and growing a church in a, in a single episode. But uh, <laughs> that's why I love doing these. It, you know, they go in all sorts of places. And I, there's been so much value in there, though. Um, you know, understanding the strategy around what you are trying to communicate to a specific type of client or patient or person that you have a solution for and then deciding on the tactic and using in this case email marketing to guide someone on their own voyage of discovery to the point where they are ready to take action that is powerful and if you want to see an example of how this has worked as, as i said at the beginning miriam has a case study at um brainstormaesthetics.com and the full url will be um, on the show notes if you want to take a look but uh, I, I suggest you do even if you don't do aesthetic links this is an example of powerful marketing full stop is there anywhere else that if anyone wants to get in contact with you other than uh, looking at that case study sure connect to me on linkedin um put a lot of our content on there and i would love to connect people miriam shaviv on linkedin so miriam thanks ever so much again and um, all that's left to say is happy fishing Thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure and I really had fun.
Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.